Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday morning leaders call. Thank you to those of you who got up bright and early this morning and are on the call live. I so appreciate that, and I never, ever want to take that for uh, for granted. So thank you so much. Uh, and to those of you who are listening to the recording, welcome. Come on in. Get your pen. Get your paper ready. So today, uh, just so that you know, putting things in context, man, it's a beautiful day. Um, I'm, I'm here in mid-Michigan. It's, it's the middle of July. It's a beautiful day. Um, just a gorgeous sunrise this morning. Um, and my husband has the day off, my kids are home, and I have somehow uh, miraculously got them out of the house before 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I feel like I need to, like, I don't know, have an award or something. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about attitude, okay, and how important attitude is in uh, a, a leader's life, okay? So before we kind of start to get your brain ready, Think of somebody you really admire. Now, I mean it. Th think of them, and, and if it's safe to do so, because I know some of you are, are listening to this while you're driving, but if it's safe to do so, go ahead and write down their name right now. Okay, so write down their name, and it could be one or two people that you admire, and write down five things that you admire about them. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean it. Really pause and do this right now, okay? Uh, you're going to gr gain great insight, okay? If you're listening to the recording, you can actually press pause right now, write the person's name and the things that you admire, okay? All right. So if you look at the things that you admire about that person, I bet many of the things you wrote down are related to that person's attitude. So why is that? Because we like to be around people who have great attitudes, right? They lift us up. They inspire us. They make us better, right? They give us good vibes. So um, at the risk of sounding too sciencey, let me share with you a great example of how a good attitude or a good vibe actually changes us as a person. Okay, so I have um, referenced Bruce Lipton often. Uh, he wrote the book Biology of Belief. Um, I am getting ready to actually go see him in person in August, and so I'm kind of brushing up on my Bruce Lipton material. And one of the books that I'm reading is The Honeymoon Effect, okay? And in this book, he describes a quantum physics example that really struck me as significant. So first of all, uh, Bruce Lipton is a cellular microbiologist. Okay, and he uses a lot of quantum physics examples um, to talk about how life works. Now, I never ever in my wildest dreams would have ever thought I would be studying these two topics. But the way that Bruce writes is so down to earth and easy to understand. Um, but I wanted to share this example with you because it's a great way um, to showcase how attitude affects each other. And I think you're going to pick it up pretty quickly. So if you think about it, um, he uses the example of if you have two rocks and they're the same size, about the same shape, they're the same weight, 
And you take those two rocks, and let's say you drop them into a lake, and you drop them at the same exact time. Well, what happens is they hit the water, and, and what do you see? Well, you see ripples, right? So the ripples are the effect that there's energy, right? So you drop the rocks, there's energy from that gravity. Um, it creates energy. The energy moves the ripples. That's what you see, right? So what happens when you have these two equal rocks is that they create uh, ripples that are the same size. They're the same. Uh, if you were to draw them out, they'd have the same shape. And eventually what happens is they connect. So the ripples connect and they um, are in harmony with each other. And they, the, where they connect, they actually amplify the ripples. So the ripples get bigger. Okay? So there's more energy there. Okay, so it makes sense. You drop two at the same exact time. They're in harmony. Where the ripples meet, there's more energy and it gets bigger. Okay, so if you were to have the same exact rocks, right, same that we just used, um, but you drop them like with a second in between, so not at the same time. So the timing is just a little bit off, right? So same scenario, just the timing is off. You drop them. So same thing happens, the, the energy is created, it forms the ripples, the ripples go towards each other. But what happens is that where they meet, the energy is kind of fighting each other. And if you were to draw the picture out, you could actually see that the ripples become smaller. It loses energy. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so now let's apply that principle because honestly, any principle, and this is what I love about Bruce, he explains this very well. If you look at cells and how they interact, or you look at organisms in the world, um, you can apply that principle to anything in the universe, okay? And we often talk about that too, don't we? We talk a lot about thinking and the laws of, let's say, you know, relativity and uh, gender and uh, transmutation. We talk about all of those laws and how it applies to your thinking. All right, so think about it this way. When you have two people who enter into a conversation or an interaction and everything is going well, like they are in harmony, right? Uh, when they come together, they create energy and where their energies meet, they become more. They're amplified, right? When you have a good attitude and you're coming into that and somebody else has a good attitude, each person in that interaction becomes better, okay? However, the opposite is also true. If one person comes in and has a great attitude and another person comes in and has a, a, a bad attitude, or let's face it, there are some times when you, you come in, let's say you come into work one morning and you know, maybe somebody's missed their breakfast. Or maybe somebody had a really rough interaction with their kids on the way in. Like there's just something a little bit off, right? So in our rock example, it was just one second different, right? That, that there was disharmony there. The same is also true with people. There could be just a little kind of disharmony, right? It doesn't have to be something big or huge. But when you come together, your energies collide and you actually become less than.
or one person can kind of gain all the energy when the other person loses. Does that make sense? So to put it even more plainly, attitudes are contagious, good and bad, right? That's the law of attraction at work. What you put out there, you get more of. So uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, where your focus goes, your energy flows. Okay, so what you're focusing on, you're going to get more of. So if you have a good attitude, you're going to see people with a good attitude. If you have a bad attitude, you're going to see people with a bad attitude. Okay, a leader's attitude is so important because you set the tone. Okay, so there's a few things about attitude you need to know to be a successful leader. Um, the first is just you need a whatever-it-takes mindset, okay, versus a I-hope-it-works-out mindset, all right? So whatever it takes to get the job done, okay? So there's a couple things um, that I want to share with you, and then I'm going to share with you this five-step process to improving your attitude, okay? So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is how to – disown your helplessness, okay? So when I work with coaching clients or I'm out and speaking with leaders, one of the things I often hear, I hear a lot of excuses, um, reasons, right? And, and what it comes down to is this feeling of being helpless, not completely being in charge, not completely feeling like I can do something about this, right? Especially when you're in a situation where, your your supervisor, your boss gives you lots of lots, um, you know, just rules, regulations, right? It, it can seem like where's my freedom to choose here, right? So that can be very uh, a helpless situation, okay? But whatever it takes, leaders aggressively pursue solutions. They are not distracted by the problem. They head to solutions. Oftentimes, uh, sometimes I have to get into somebody's face a little bit and just say, hey, listen, do you want the problem or do you want the solution? Because you're talking about 80% of the time about the problem and not really about the solution. Now, remember what I just said about Emerson, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So if you're talking 80% about the problem, what do you think you're going to get as your effect? More of the problem, okay? So you want to disown your helplessness and say, what can I do? Okay, so there was a, um, a professor and expert on organizational behavior, Robert Quinn, and he wrote this. He said, a victim is a person who suffers a loss because of the actions of others. A victim tends to believe that salvation comes only from the action of others. They have little choice but to whine and wait until something good happens. Living with someone who chooses to play the victim role is draining. Working in an organization where many people have chosen the victim role is absolutely depressing. Like a disease, the condition tends to spread. Now, I think if you were to look around in our, um, for those of you in the United States listening in our American culture, there tends to be more of this victim mentality happening, right? Or just a focus on that, that problem. 
So maybe somebody doesn't see themselves as a victim, but they, they constantly focus on the problem, not the solution, okay? So here's a few things. To be a successful leader, um, you need to disown your helplessness and help people on your team to do the same, okay? So you can do it by empowering others. And I'm gonna give you a couple tips. You might wanna write these down, okay? First of all, never make excuses. There may be reasons that something happened, but never make excuses, right? Um, create a can-do environment where people are expected to solve their problems. So rather than coming in, swooping in, solving the problem for the people that you're leading, try to get them to think about how to solve their own problem, okay? Model a whatever-it-takes attitude for your team. So, so looking at, at the, the problem and saying, okay, what can I do? All right, I may be stifled by these rules and regulations, but what can I do, okay? Um, also, challenge people to take responsibility for their performance. So when somebody comes in and they're talking about, um, you know, here's their reason or their excuse, and they're, they're trying to maybe blame somebody else, stop and, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not really interested in that right now. Um, I'm interested in, in what you think of your behavior or actions led to this, okay? And, you know, give solid feedback, especially after people have tried uh, to tackle a, a really challenging situation. If you know somebody is in a learning mode, um, so for example, I was working with a teacher not too long ago, and she was really trying to um, interact positively with a parent who was a little more challenging. Okay? And I knew that this was uh, tough for her. And so as soon as I knew she had this situation, I wanted to touch base and give her feedback. Okay, So rather than coming in and saying, oh, I know that was really tough for you, and oh, that parent, and oh, this, and oh, that, like, I'm not going to feed the, the problem, but I want to show her, oh my gosh, I know that was tough for you. Look how you handled that. Right? I want to empower her and show her what she has done well. Now, the problem may not be taken care of completely, but I want to highlight for her what she did about the problem. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, if you want to know more about how to support people in this area on your team, um, look through the podcast. So for those of you who are not, who are on with us live and not don't listen to the podcast, you can find us anywhere where podcasts are. Um, you can look it up. It's called Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Um, and there was a, a session I did on there not too long ago on resilience. That's going to give you some great tips as well. All right. Uh, another way to have this whatever-it-takes mindset is to um, take the bull by the horns, right? Do what needs to be done. Um, look at it and say, all right, let's just get it done, okay? So President Theodore Roosevelt said once that there is nothing brilliant nor outstanding about my record except perhaps one thing. I do the things that I believe ought to be done, and when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act, okay? Effective leaders don't just sit and think about what needs to be done. Once they figure out what needs to be done, they make a decision and they do it, okay? I know that sounds really common sense and like Michelle, that everybody should know that, um, but not everybody does that, okay? However, there is that uh, process first, right? 
think, do, think, do. Okay, many of you are great thinkers and you have a problem getting something done. Some of you are excellent doers and you don't stop to think about what you need to do. You need both of those, okay? Um, another way to have a whatever it takes mindset is to cultivate gratitude, okay? I know that sounds a little weird and, and maybe a little too, too much of a soft skill, right? But cultivating gratitude puts us in uh, a place to have a much better attitude, okay? I love, again, a, a Bruce Lipton biology of belief, but the, the honeymoon effect, he's really explaining in there about the connection between your, your brain, your mind, and your hormones. And he um, talked about in my reading this morning about how um, your, your brain interprets things through your five senses right? Well, that's your, you perceive things, okay? So right now you're perceiving my voice, right? And then your mind, so separate from your brain, your mind makes a perception or interpretation, okay? So you might hear something that I say and based on your uh, background and experience and beliefs and values, your mind is making an interpretation of what I'm saying, okay? Well, what happens is your mind then sends signals back to your brain, which perceives, and your brain tells your body and all, and all of your hormone-producing organs what to do about that. Now, this happens all day long, okay? So I, I won't go much deeper into that, but I will say that when you cultivate gratitude, Okay, so gratitude is the ability to be thankful no matter what is going on. So, for example, this morning uh, I, I've made this a habit over years where I just, first thing in the morning I sit down and I think about what are my I am statements and what am I grateful for. So I quickly got 20 things I'm grateful for today on my, in my journal. Okay, the reason I do this is because I want to start my day off on the right foot. I want my brain and my mind to communicate together to say, hey, look how blessed I am. No matter what is happening, look how blessed I am so that it gives my, the rest of my body all of those great hormones. Does that make sense? Okay, so when you express gratitude, it, it doesn't, it's regardless of your feelings. So in the moment you might feel, you know, depressed or down or sad, but you can still be grateful for something. No matter how hard your life is, you can still be grateful for something, okay? And many times it's just the small and ordinary things, okay? So like this morning, one of the things on my list was I'm grateful for air conditioning because it's the middle of July and here in mid-Michigan, um, because we have the Great Lakes surrounding us, it gets very hot and humid. So air conditioning is a must. I'm grateful for that. Um, I also said, you know, I'm grateful for healthy kids. I'm grateful that this afternoon I get to go for a walk with a friend, right? It doesn't have to be something big and huge for it to affect our body, okay? And you can express gratitude in the midst of adversity, so hard things, right? Um, maybe you're learning something new through that difficult situation, right? When you practice this for yourself as the leader, 
I mean, just imagine what your life would look like if every morning you spent about three minutes and you told yourself 20 things you're grateful for. Imagine what you would feel like. And now think about you spending those three minutes right before you walk into your job or your first meeting or your first event, whatever it is. Imagine you spend those three minutes, you're in this good place, you have great, awesome hormones flowing through your body, you feel good, you walk into the building, and your team sees you. Now, remember our rock example? Okay. Imagine you coming in with that kind of an energy. What do you think would happen with your people? So when I talk about cultivating gratitude three minutes a day, I'm not just saying, hey, you should do this. I'm saying it is imperative that you do this. Because when you are in a better place, you can be more creative. You can solve problems easier. You can help and support and encourage other people. Okay, so this isn't that, you know, just soft skill that you should do, right? This is, this is imperative to your performance. All right, so I, I want to get to this five-step process to improve your attitude and to build success. So this is actually um, the success circle. So let me just say that uh, I will post a video uh, that shows a picture of this circle. So if you don't get it all, don't worry about it. Catch us on social media. I'll have it on YouTube, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook today, okay? So there are five, um, I guess, places in this circle, right? So the first thing is to test. Okay, so many people are crippled by inaction, so not doing anything. However, that's not us, right? We test. We do it. We take a risk. We don't wait for somebody else. We take the initiative. Okay? Um, John Maxwell always says, it's the job that's never started that takes the longest to finish. I love that. Um, so for myself, I am creating a bunch of online courses. Okay? Um, and as I go through this process, I, I was really struggling with one area. Um, I didn't have the right tools. Okay? And then yesterday somebody showed me a really cool tool that I wasn't aware of. And as soon as they showed me, I put it into action immediately. Okay? Because a leader tests something out. Okay? You experiment. You say, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I might not know how to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'll figure it out as I go. Okay? The second step in this cycle is to fail. Now, of course, we want to do everything with excellence. We want to do it to the best of our ability. And what I'm telling you is that a leader, a really effective leader, has a great relationship with failure, okay? Because failure is actually essential to success. It teaches you more than a win does, okay? So if you're not failing, you're not learning, you're not growing, and you're actually dying, Okay, so what is your game plan to get over failure? Okay, so for me, I have a 24-hour role. You know, I, I allow myself 24 hours to kind of wallow in my despair. And then I say, okay, it's time to get back to work. 
Um, but I also, it's the same if something wonderful happens. Maybe I received an award, right? Um, I have 24 hours to bask in that, and then it's time to get back to work, okay? Um, just recently, I had my proposal for my dissertation, which is chapters one, two, and three out of five chapters, returned back to me. And at first, I really struggled with that because, man, I just want to be done with this, right? And I realized that it was returned back, but it, I only had a couple really small changes to make. Okay, so, so once I made those changes, no big deal. But if I wallowed in my quote-unquote failure, you know, then I wouldn't have learned how to be a little bit more uh, clear in my writing, okay? And I wouldn't have moved forward. The third step in this cycle is to learn, okay? So you see how these are all kind of connecting, okay? If you don't learn from your mistake, that's when it becomes a failure, okay? Failure and loss are normal in the leadership journey, okay? So you're going to have to grow a thicker skin and a heartier laugh, okay? So if, you're, if you... <laughs> You feel like, um, you know, a mistake is going to kill you, then leadership might not be your thing, okay? The fourth step is to improve. So without improvement, learning really is just an academic exercise, okay? Success often asks the question, what am I getting, right? Improvement always asks, what am I becoming, Okay, so it's all about personal growth. So it's the difference between being goal-oriented and growth-oriented, okay? Goal-oriented people are all about, all right, I got I to gotta lose five pounds, I got to make this next, you know, $1,000, whatever it is, right? Um, and once you get to that goal, they often struggle because now what? Okay, whereas growth-oriented people, their goal is to grow, Again, this is the essence of grow by one, that you grow one step every single day towards your dreams. And ultimately, when you do that, you surpass all of the goals that you set for yourself. Okay, which one would you rather be? A goal-oriented person or a growth-oriented person? Okay. And then the fifth uh, part of this cycle is to re-enter. Okay, so let's say that you've tested, you've experimented on something, you failed, you reflected, you learned, and you made improvements. So now what? You do it again. Okay, you re-enter the cycle. Um, it's over and over and over and over again. And guys, this is for your personal life. This is for your professional life. This is for all life. Okay, if you tried a new recipe and something failed, um, my daughter Hannah is really into baking this summer. Um, there's been some great things that she's done and some things that are not so great, right? Um, but she's learning and she's re-entering this every single day, okay? Um, for myself, I'm constantly trying new things, not only in, uh, you know, the, the current work that I do, but in new work, right? And it's exciting, so a leader has an attitude that says, okay, look, we're going to get the job done, and we're going to become better as we do it. Okay? All right, so your homework this week is to take those five things and do them. So your, your job is to come up with something that you can experiment with. 
so maybe this is um, you know experimenting with a different kind of, of way of doing it. paperwork like rule process procedure maybe it's experimenting having a different kind of conversation um, I don't know what it is in your life but experiment with it so make a plan um, make it a lofty goal so that there is a failure in there at some point you know so that that means try something new that you've never tried before all right and just go through the cycle and take notes as you go through like how does this feel okay which part of this cycle is comfortable for you and which part is uncomfortable okay so next week on Friday we're going to be talking about servant leadership so this is really talking about how to increase your influence okay one thing I know about leadership is that uh, of course it's all about influence right it's not about your position or your title or your role and so when you focus on certain aspects of servant leadership I'm telling you you're going to be so much more influential okay all right so once again thank you so much for those of you on the live call and also those of you listening I am holding an image of you being intentionally influential powerfully productive and empowering and engaging the people you serve so with that I'm gonna release you out into the wild go forth and prosper have an amazing day and as always you can reach me at Michelle at growbyone.com and I, I'll catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye.